Well, I cannot believe it. We have finished studying the entire book of Psalm 119 over this past year, and we are at the very last week, week um, 22 weeks, and uh, it's just been a journey and a joy to get to do this with you. I loved this study, and we've never done Roots Groups before, and for a pilot study, this has just been so enriching for me, and I hope it has been for you. Um, it, this is kind of an interesting ending, and I think it is worth noting as we discuss a little bit tonight before you uh, dive in together as a group, um, and how just the the ending that David puts on this, inspired by the Holy Spirit, of course, but it's important because it ties back actually to the very beginning of Psalms, and I think if you remember, in all of these passages, we've seen an honesty about David. We have not seen perfection, but we have seen an honesty. David was emotional, and he had a pretty crazy past. He had some massive wanderings away from God, and um, things that even took him down a road of murder, and obviously infidelity, and all kinds of things. Um, And yet, in not seeing perfection, we've seen the honesty of his heart which is, I love you, I love your law, as David calls it, your word, your promise, more than I love the way of my own. And I've gone my own way, and I want to stay in your way. I know what it's like to go my own way, and I want to stay in your way and in your path because they're righteous and right and the best thing. And so I think as we've studied this, we've seen this roller coaster, if you want to call it that, of... David's um, love of the, of the scripture underlying even the seasons of his questioning and his wandering and his, his sin. And so for him to end it the way he did here is, is just really striking to me. Um, but before we get there, I want to read a couple things that are repetitive in this, in this little section here. We see the ideas um, repeat themselves of help. The idea of coming near or coming before. Um, The idea of praise is said multiple different times with the word sing and um, the actual word praise. But also the word let, L-E-T, is used almost in every verse of this section. And so I I squared those um, because when I think of the word let, I hear something in that. I hear an invitation. I hear a permission. I I, I also hear a request um, and the sense of surrender. When you let someone do something for you or to you, it's an invitation. It's a request. It's a permission. It's a surrender. And I, I see David saying, let my cries come near before you. You know, let my supplications be heard by you. Let my lips offer praise. And so he's using this word between him and, and him and the Lord and God doing things for him. But he's also saying that to his, his own soul. Let my mouth utter praise. Let my soul live that it might praise you. He's talking to himself in a way. 
He's inviting himself, asking of himself, surrendering himself, permitting himself. And he's doing that same thing and, and expecting and believing that God will also um, do what David's asking of him. You know, he is inviting God to come near to his cries. He's asking that God would come near. He's asking that God's law would stay his delight. There's a sense of surrender. Give me the understanding, Lord, from your law. Um, and so those are just some ideas that, that really repeat themselves in multiple different phrases here. Um, I love that in the very beginning in verse 170, it says, let my supplication become before thee, deliver me according to your word. I think that's another theme. It doesn't repeat more than twice here in this section, but in the entirety of the Psalms, the idea of God delivering David through his word, through his presence, through his promises is paramount. It's everywhere. Um, the idea of rescue and being delivered and frankly, being delivered from himself Sometimes David's greatest enemy was him. And I don't know if you've ever felt that way, but I know I have. God has to protect me and rescue me from me sometimes. From my own thought processes, my own self-hate, my own, you know, thought patterns or whatever it is. And he, he is faithful to do that. And therefore, our lips can't do anything but praise him. Um, if you keep reading down there, it it's, um, says in 171, let my lips utter praise for you teach me your statutes. And that's a reason to utter praise. And honestly, as we end our study tonight, it's a reason for all of us as daughters of God to praise him verbally, out loud. Praise him for what he has shown you in his statutes, in his promises throughout this study. We're not praising him because we're perfect. We're not praising him because we haven't wandered like a sheep, which is the analogy he ends it here with. We're praising him for who he is and what he reveals to us about himself through his word. He's constantly speaking. God is speaking all around us. And to speak is in his own very breathed words here in the scripture and what a privilege it is to have been made aware and enlightened to the things of the entirety of the scripture but but in psalms in psalms 119 specifically and so that's worth praising and i, I would encourage y'all tonight um, as part of your time together is just set a science of time to, to praise and remember, remember the nuggets, remember the, the way he connected things on a particular evening that maybe didn't happen before. Remember how he would show something personally to you. Maybe it was in one verse or one word or an idea that kept repeating itself. Remember those things and talk about them, celebrate because it, he's worth it. He's worth our lips uttering praise and frankly our lips can utter a lot of different things they can complain they can ask questions they can gossip they can argue but our lips were made to praise the one whom made them and what a great time and environment to do that in tonight um, the other thing I wanted to touch on before we just jump quickly to the end here is 
um, in verse 174, it's kind of another overarching theme in all of Psalms 119 and really in the heart of David and, and in my heart. And I hope this is a theme in your heart. And if it wasn't in the beginning of the study, maybe it is now. But Psalm 174 says, I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. God's word is my greatest delight. That's what he's saying here. God's word is our greatest treasure. It's everything that makes us rich. Our identity is revealed in God's word. His character is revealed in his word. His promises are in here to cling to when the storms rage. His word is is just, it doesn't go far from me, to be honest. I, I literally keep it in me and on me. Um, as often as I can, and I, I have a scripture that I keep with me. I just love to have it near me. Um, he's written his word on my heart, but there's something precious to me about having the actual pages as close by as possible, especially when I think of um, how little the scripture is made available in other parts of the world and how many Bibles I have in multiple translations in my home, and I, I just don't want to go far from it. It is the greatest treasure and the greatest delight of my life. It is a life-giving book. And so what a, what a privilege it is to realize that in the one and only book that's alive and that can lead you to have an encounter with a person. So I hope and pray that over this study that you have been awakened um, in your desire for God's word, in, in your longing to study it, not just for information, but for revelation, that it wouldn't just stop with this study in, in Psalms, but that you would take it apart and cherish it and write in it and cry over it and just get as close up into it as possible throughout the days of your life ahead, because your life is revealed in this book because his life is. And if you are in Christ and Christ is in you, this is everything you need to navigate faith and pain and joys and relationship with God. I love his word. So let's hop quickly to the end here. It's just really interesting how he ends this. 176 verses. It's incredible to think about that. One book, 176 verses, and he ends it with this. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget thy commandments. And of course, this is obviously makes me think of the lost sheep stories in the Gospels um, and how he's kind of referencing that, obviously. But what's interesting here is you know, when you think about a sheep, a sheep and a dog are different. If a dog runs away, he usually can navigate his way back home. It's just part of their their breed and the way they think. That is completely the opposite of sheep. And in fact, if you look at commentaries and you read about modern day shepherdess and shepherding and sheeps, sheep, not sheep, sorry, <laughs> you realize they are the dumbest animal on the, on the planet. But when they wander, they wander in such a way that is jagged and without sense. 
So there is no way for them to turn around and track their steps back from where they began. They, they, they're not just taking a little bite of grass over here and they step 10 feet over away from the flock. When a sheep begins to wander from the shepherd and from the flock, he keeps his head down, never tracing his steps, having no sense of really smell or sight or really that good of hearing maybe, and they just wander off to where they literally have lost themselves. They do not have the ability to get home. And so we see sheep a lot in the scripture, and Jesus relates us to sheep. You know, in John chapter 10, it says, we are the sheep. He is the shepherd. And haven't there been times in your Christian life for whatever reason that you've wandered? Maybe you've wondered too. Maybe there's doubt or questions, but maybe there was a season of actual wandering, of losing yourself, of thinking you might even quote unquote lose your faith. Maybe it was because of persecution by somebody else. Maybe it was because of sin, just an unconfessed habitual sin. Um, But regardless, maybe you've had that season where you have felt like a sheep who has lost herself and gone astray, wandered in a jagged pattern, unable to get back. And here David admits that. Remember, he loves God's word. In our practical terminology, he's a believer. He's a Christian, okay, for for the sake of our conversation here. But he isn't perfect. And he had some, some things that marred his past and potentially wounded his mind. And he had a lot of enemies. And I, I think it's easy to wonder when life gets difficult. And for David, he would keep coming back to the scripture, but there was tension around him. There was running away from people a lot in the Psalms. And this idea that, you know, he never strayed isn't in scripture. It isn't in Psalms. And so he confesses it here. But what he, what he also confesses is something really powerful. I want you to come and find me. Because ultimately, I'm attached to you. Ultimately, my heart is yours, despite these wanderings that I've had. And I need you to come and find me, to seek me out and rescue me, just like the shepherd actually does with the sheep. And sometimes, a shepherd has to break the legs of a sheep to bring him back into the fold, because he's He's stubborn, he's obstinate, he's wandering outside of the fold and the sheep, the shepherd can't get his attention. And so sometimes brokenness and pain comes in, literally, with the rod, he breaks the legs of the sheep and puts him up on his shoulders to carry him back to safety because where the sheep is headed is not good or safe. And that's still so very true of our lives, our own way. We are wandering from the best and from the right, from God's way. And yet there's this ask, there's this deep invitation of David's heart to say, I need you to rescue me, seek me and find me and bring me home. I had a significant season in my life as a Christian, um, as a very deep lover of God in 
really the season of 2004 and 2005 where I wandered and I chased the lure of marriage and money and prestige to a different man. Um, and, I, and I loved God, but I, I was chasing after something and I had kind of put my head down deep, deep underneath it all. I wanted to obey the Lord and I did love his word, but I wandered away like a sheep. And I ate a little here and I ate a little there. And before I knew it, I was far from home, so to speak. And my heart was aching and I was actually engaged and not super far away from a wedding. And I was stuck. And God had not left me. I was not abandoned, but I was stuck. And I had wandered so far, I really didn't know if I could get back home. And I remember distinctly saying in a state, um, a very emotional state, but a very clear-minded state, God, I need you to deliver me because I'm not walking away. I'm too scared. And I'm not walking towards him. I'm too scared. I am paralyzed and I need you to come and seek me and find me and deliver me from what I thought I wanted and bring me home. And Jesus did just that. And in 2005, my world crumbled in one breath, but in the same breath, it was more free and more delivered than I had ever known. And little did I know, Establish Her, the ministry that many of you are recipients of, was born out of that place, that dark place of my life. And God made good on his promise, like he always says. And he did come and find me. And he did protect me and rescue me from myself and what I thought I wanted. I had lost myself. And in God, I found myself. And he brought me home to him and returned me to him. And I say that story to say that, you know, as believers, we are not perfect. But as believers who are indwelt with the Holy Spirit, there is a gauge will that is forever connected to the person of Jesus. And you can only go so far. And I've often said, even to the girls I've mentored, you are on a short leash. You can only go so far. And when that runs out and it gets tight and it's not fun anymore and your way is revealed to you as a dead end way, which it will be. Look back and know that he is drawing you home. Cry out as David did. Seek me. Find me. Bring me home. Because I don't forget your word. I didn't forget his word in that season. In fact, that's what I ran to in the state of Texas in a dark room by myself on March 25th, 2005. I didn't have anywhere else to run but to his word. But I was in a, in a desert. I was in a place of, frankly, wandering that I, I went down. But I hadn't forgot his word. And in that place, he rescued me. And he broke me. And he disciplined me. Just as a good father does. And as an incredible shepherd does. And so I think it's really special that David says similar words here in, in Psalm 174 and 175 and 176 as he does when he began. Even in verse one, Psalms 119, verse 16, he says, Your law is my delight. 
So he begins kind of with that message. And then there's this roller coaster of a journey between wandering and delighting and aching and praising and, you know, crying and, and following the Lord and all these different things. I just love David so much. He's so raw and real. And then it brings it to this close of, I'm a sheep. I'm dumb. I don't know the way to go. And when I think I know the best way, I get it wrong. And I've wondered, Lord, and I need you to rescue me and seek me out. We are on the other side of the promise, ladies. We are on the other side of Jesus and on the other side of the indwelling Holy Spirit that David did not have yet. Jesus had not yet come. And so we have this internal gauge, this internal connection and attachment to God himself in a way that none of the Old Testament authors had, none of the Old Testament characters had. And that is something that's so worth praising God for because of Jesus. Because ultimately, like I said, we cannot wander so far without that nudge and that rod and that staff and that shepherd bringing us back into the fold. And I so cherish it. Um, I wanted to read this little quote from the, on my computer really quickly. Um, it's just a beautiful way of kind of saying it here. Um, it says, Seek thy servant. I can't seek thee on my own strength. Come into my wilderness, take me up, and carry me back home to the flock. And the story here is Luke 15 in the Gospels, but this commentary says that David began in Psalms 119 with, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the laws of the Lord. And now he concludes with, I have gone astray like a sheep, so seek your servant. Thus the consciousness of the blessedness of those who are in the way of righteousness, he desires to be brought back into it because he had tasted of it, but he had also wandered from it. And he's now asking to stay and walk in the newness of life that he tasted. Psalm 119.1, it is a good way, and they are blessed that walk in this way. And then here, the, the idea in this last verse is basically, bring me back into this way. Let me remain in your way. I don't want my way anymore. Return me to what I know to be really true. Um, if you go to godvine.com, there's some awesome commentaries about this um, verse in particular and, and even reading the, the Luke 15 story, as well as biblestudytools.com are some great resources to kind of further the ending of, of how David ends Psalms. It's just a really beautiful study, but I'm running out of time, so I love y'all, and I've loved this journey with you, and trust that your conversations are rich and full of praise tonight, and that you are confident that his hand is ready to help you and be available to you, that his assistance, his presence is very close by, and um, that ultimately we desire that his law is our greatest delight, and above that, we would never wander away from something we so deeply love for too long. And when we do and we go amok, you know, and our, our mind goes amok or whatever that phrase is, God brings us back even when we lose ourselves, and wraps us up 
into the fold of God. So let him be God. Let him be the shepherd. And you let your mouth praise him and you let your heart fall in love with him more than anything else. And it'll be a beautiful life ahead.